0: And
1: Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor here at Horse and Hound. Well, I am gearing up for the London International Horse Show this week. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the show works in its new home Excel, and getting into the Christmas spirit. Our interview this week is with Vicky Casey, who has two ponies through to the Big Mountain and Moorland final at the show. She talks about their preparation and what it means to ride at this event.
2: I mean, going back in for the results, like, you look up and it's just people <laughs> everywhere. It can be quite emotional, really, because you just realise how special it is to be there.
1: I'll be catching up with our news team about hunting governance, road safety and fireworks in Scotland. Finally, trainer Jason Webb finishes his mini-series by talking about introducing the young horse to the rider.
3: You never know how your horse is going to get out of bed that day. So I like to challenge my horse a little bit before I get on them and make sure they're really thinking and submitting to the process. More from
1: Jason later. For now, pull down your stirrups and let's get going.
4: Hello and welcome to this week's Horse and Hound guest interview. I'm Alex Robinson, showing editor here at Horse and Hound. It's very soon to be the highly anticipated British Show Pony Society Mountain Heritage Supreme Ridden Championship, <laughs> that's a mouthful, held at the London International Horse Show on the 20th of December. So the best native ponies in the country are coming forward to contend for those top titles which includes the overall Supreme, a top 10 final lineup and our 12 best of breed accolades and as a native pony person myself I am so excited to be reporting at this final and one producer who's getting prepared for the final is Vicky Casey and she has two ponies qualified for the final so we're very lucky to have her here I'm sure she's super busy. Hi Vicky how are you doing? Hi, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Really well, thank you. So Vicky is an up-and-coming native producer. She turned professional in 2020. She's won so many titles with her ponies, including at the 2019 Horse of the Year show, and she was also Eminem Working Hunter Supreme at this year's Royal International, so she's got quite a tally. So Vicky, just to get a bit of background, um, when did you first become seriously involved in showing? I know you actually came from a dressage background, that's right, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but dressage and eventing was really my thing. Um, and then the showing kind of, for me, was pretty about four years ago. Um, it was when we took serious. And we just had a couple of ponies at home. We were really lucky. We had a really nice Exmoor and a little fell that actually a friend owned that I bought on broken. got back involved with him, really, and just carried on. And then we got a taste of it and never left. <laughs> <laughs> and when was your first big win in the show ring? It was I was with my connie barney uh, my mm-hmm. absolute world we we won equifest which to me although it's unaffiliated it was still a massive big deal to be able to go down that center line and being that like, indoor that that show is just amazing um but that was really the thing for me that kind of gave you that boost to say i need to keep going i love this this is great
4: <laughs> <laughs> and barney's been an absolute star for you hasn't he what's his um show name
2: vicky fredericksmond volcano
4: Okay. And and can you just tell me a little bit about Barney, please? Where did he come from? Because he was your hoys and Royal national winner, wasn't he? So he's been a real he star. Was.
2: Yeah, he's my absolute best friend. Um so we had a big ad on the side of York, but at the time we just had a lot of liveries in and I was doing the dressage horses, and I had a phone call off my best friend Jody White, um, to basically say, Could I take this pony on sales livery? And I must admit, I panicked. We'd never had a stallion on site, and I was thinking what am I doing? Um, he was already in the UK, he'd come over from Ireland and he arrived and so he was meant to be on sales free and he just kind of stuck around and I got really, really attached to this pony and I got told one day that he'd been sold. Um, I was absolutely distraught. I'd, no one had been to try him so I was thinking, oh brilliant, someone's bought him for a picture um, and it was at that moment mum and Jodie told me they'd actually bought him for me from Henry Aww. Kelly who's <laughs> sadly no longer with us. And, um, But no, Barney for me, he's an absolute saint. I couldn't ask for a better pony. He was, he wasn't the easiest. He's opinionated and quite a stubborn boy at times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But do you know, I wouldn't have him any other way. He gives me everything and it's quite, he's blessing. He's quite funny. Um, So I've had a friend, a really good friend of mine, Eve, she came to ride him and we were going to do the intermediates within the shear for her and he just literally was looking at me like you're not my mum get off I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> he just she managed to get him going quite sweetly and you know and you stand there and you just I could see him looking at me thinking I'm only doing this because you stood there
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so lovely so.
2: And Barney will be heading to
4: London in a couple of weeks uh, alongside your Exmoor, if I'm correct. So who have yeah. you decided to, to ride at the final, Vicky? And how's that decision been?
2: It was a hard one. The Exmoor is my mum's pony. Um, so Spike's done a lot for her. <laughs> when I qualified him mum was over the moon and I knew bless her heart mum loves to ride but she doesn't have the nerve to ride in a ring like that Mm -hmm. so as much as I have tried to say to her come on it doesn't matter what happens just go and have fun it's not (laughs) happened (laughs) okay so I am definitely taking the ride on Barney um I couldn't bring myself to see anyone else on him truthfully and Really good friend of mine, Liam's going to take the ride on Spike, which I know he's over the moon about. He's been begging and begging me to ride him for years, so it's it's, it's a nice thing. It's a nice to give back to him as well. I know it's always been a dream of his to ride at Olympia, so it's made me feel better knowing that someone's going to really appreciate it as much.
4: Perfect. And just to confirm to the listeners, Spike's show name is Sweetcomb Sunmaker, isn't it?
2: It is indeed.
4: Perfect. So how is preparation going for you? I know the weather's been pretty foul. So how have you been getting around that? And what's kind of training been for the boys?
2: The boys have had a real variation, um, to be fair. They both obviously love their jumping. Uh, I do still jump bike. So I just try to keep it really mixed up. I've dropped Barney off work a little bit. He can be a bit cheeky if he gets too fit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's kind of had like, he's had a week off in between. Um, and then he's picked back up and just plenty of pole work, plenty of grids, mm. just things to keep them really fresh in their heads. Um, and Spike's, Spike's been hacking more than anything. It's his favourite thing to do. And I find with him, because he's getting on, he's done his time, he knows his job, he doesn't need the schooling. And with him, it's just been a case of keeping him nice and loose and fresh, really. But no, they're both, they've both they both been showcross. cross they've both been out dressage in, um and I think we're actually off dressage again this weekend so yeah I've tried to keep it really different for them I don't like to just drill them in the school mm.
4: and and how are they looking because I, th- I know one of the most difficult things about preparing for the show is is getting the coats right because it's just it's so hard isn't it to get that clip just bob on how, how have you been
2: how's a yeah turnout preparation been going it's you know it's my absolute nightmare <laughs> it's <laughs> It's the thing that stresses me out more than anything. Um, no, I'm really lucky. Barney clipped up really well for Hoyes, and he's managed to retain his coat really well. So mm. he's actually clipped up beautifully, and he's looking great. His He's lost some of his dapples, which I'm a bit disappointed Aww. about. <laughs> but um, no, and Spike, sadly... Spike doesn't clip up very well, so we end up spending hours and hours hot oiling him, oh, and right. <laughs> he spends hours under the solarium. Um, <laughs> that's his heart. He doesn't keep his that really nice bright colour. He goes quite grey, so I spend forever trying to retain that coat, but <laughs> I don't like bathing him too much in this weather, um, even though we've got the heat lamps. And have you ridden
4: at the final before, Vicky? And, you know, if you if you have, what, what does make this show so different to the others?
2: I have. So I was lucky enough to ride Spike there in 2017, and it was everyone was, was telling me how special this show was and I see when you've not been you think right oh, it's a show surely it can't be that different from Hoyes or the RI and when I got there the atmosphere was just so different It mm. everybody comes together as this big family and the decorations around your stables, everyone's cheery. And I think the Christmas spirit really comes alive at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really lucky as well that it falls really close to my birthday. So for me, it's like a big birthday celebration as well. And being in that ring and just, you're so close to the show jumpers, to your dressage riders. And I um, yeah, in 2017, we were stabled next to the Met Police. And it's just, everyone's so involved. It's a real magical, what you wouldn't expect. And that ring is just it's something else i mean obviously it's moved this year but i can imagine it's going to have a very similar feel um but just the decorations the big horses in the background those statues and i mean going back in for the results you trot in and you just think oh my god right you look up (laughs) and it's just people (laughs) everywhere but no it's it can be quite emotional really because you just realize how special it is to be there
4: yeah it's certainly an exciting show and the bsps m M&M final was actually rescheduled this year to take place at Liverpool and um, which we found out a couple of months ago was cancelled so I know the BSPS worked pretty tirelessly to, to find um, the final a new home at the London International held at the XL did the cancellation affect you and were you excited for Liverpool more so than London can you just tell me about your experience with that.
2: I think for me, I was really excited to ride at Liverpool, um, especially mm. with it being a new venue and a lot closer to home. Mm. <laughs> um, but equally, I was actually really disappointed to not have the opportunity to ride at Olympia that last year before they announced it wasn't going to be at Olympia anymore. So I feel like I've kind of got a second chance, um, even though it's not obviously at the same venue, it's still Olympia and I think that's really special but I know a lot of people have said that it's nice to have that second shot and for me it's still the magical experience and we all still get to share it together so if it was at Liverpool or Olympia I, I wasn't that fussed mm-hmm.
4: and when are you heading down to London Vicky so you're in York so it'll take you quite a bit of a, a bit of a journey so yeah when are you planning on setting off
2: so we're going to go down on the Sunday morning um it's about a 5 hour drive for us mm-hmm. so with us I don't think we get a working-in slot now on the Sunday afternoon, so we're going to head down and just let the boys have a good chill and hopefully just take them for a wander round in hand, uh, just to stretch their legs after a couple of hours. And then Monday morning, it'll be all hell-breaking. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to go. <laughs> Definitely. I'm grateful we got the timetable through the other day, actually, and I'm very grateful that we're not in the ring at seven o'clock like we have been in previous years. <laughs>
4: Oh, fabulous. Well, thank you for giving us some intel on, on London, Vicky. But just finally, how are you and your team spending Christmas this year? Have you got anything nice planned or is it quite a
2: chilled one? It'll be a nice chilled one for us. It's Our hacking's quite... we have to go down a bit of a road. So it's the one time in the year that I actually say to my mum, come on, we're going down the <laughs> railway tracks. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> we tend to do that. And then I just have a really nice chilled day with family. Um, we split it between mine and my partner's family. So... Yeah, we try and be normal for a day, which is quite hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
4: perfect. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Vicky. And we wish you the best of luck at London on Monday, the 20th of December. And yeah, best of luck. Thank you and hope to see you there.
1: So I'm joined today by three of my horse and hound colleagues. First of all, from our news desk, we have our news editor, Eleanor Jones.
5: How are you doing, Eleanor? Yeah, good, thank you, Pippa. I think we may have had quite a similar week in terms of our competition uh, experiences at the weekend. (laughs) Yes,
1: am I right in thinking you took a wrong course?
5: (laughs) Yeah, and, and actually in my defense, I turned the right way and I watched back on the video landed over the fence turn right and then the number had fallen forward off the fence and obviously I should have known where I was going anyway but I was like well that can't be fenced for and ended up circling and getting faults. and it's not great when the set nerve doesn't work.
1: <laughs> oh yeah well
5: my mum and I are both generally quite good at
1: learning our dressage tests but we each did one test last Saturday and we both went wrong it was the same judge for both of us and I imagine <laughs> she was just thinking you know who are these ridiculous women they should get their <laughs> test read out if they're not capable of learning it. My mum claimed it was because she was concentrating so hard on going into canter she forgot about a trot circle. I just didn't really fancy doing the length and strides, to be honest. (laughs) I
5: think that's fair enough. I think we could have, you know, here's a novice 23, take your own line. It could
1: catch on. I'd be keen to miss out the length and strides (laughs) always. Anyway, we also
6: have with us our news writer, Becky Murray. How are you, Becky? I'm well. I um, clipped my horse at the weekend, having just invested in my first set of clippers. Usually I'd pay someone. Um, now, I do my dog's haircuts regularly and I find it really therapeutic but clipping a horse, not so much. Um, poor Chloe is probably going to find herself getting clipped every weekend so I try to fix the lines. So she may have a full clip by Christmas. Oh no, I saw a horse to show uh, a couple of weeks ago that had got like an
1: upside down clip. Basically, they had clipped all the bits that you don't normally clip like the legs and left the hair all over the body and I was a bit confused. And- <laughs> I did consider going and trying to interview her and finding out why, but I
5: didn't. Oh, that would have been brilliant.
1: (laughs) Right. We also have with us today our hunting editor, Catherine Austin. How are you, Catherine?
0: I'm all right, Pippa. Well, actually, I'm incredibly grumpy, as you know, because I'm not hunting. And therefore, that's just awful. And my horse is now on day three of walk work. And... It doesn't quite satisfy either him or I in quite Uh, the same way. uh,
1: I don't like to ask, is this day three of a couple of weeks or day three of six months?
0: Well, it's day three of a couple of weeks to start with. Let's see. He feels like a million dollars, and so I'm going to be sent sky high at any moment, but... Yeah, long road ahead of us. So hence, no, I'm not okay in a first world problem kind of way. (laughs) okay. Well, you are joining us today because we're
1: going to talk about quite an important news story for hunting. Give us the rundown. What is it that's been
0: announced this week? Well, the Masters of Foxhounds Association chairman, Andrew Osborne, has announced that there will be a review of the governance of hunting. And as a result of that review, a potential new governing body for hunting in the uk may be set up so it's quite a it's a big story and quite a significant change give us a bit of the background what's led up to this point the most immediate thing that's led up to it was the leaking of a a webinar on the subject of trail hunting a year ago and the subsequent prosecution of mark hankinson who was the director of the Masters of Foxhounds Association um, for encouraging or assisting people to commit an offence under the Hunting Act and from various other negative stories in the press about hunting in the recent months. But as Mr. Osborne was keen to point out to Horse and Hound, it isn't just a fallout from the webinars. He said, it's 17 years since the Hunting Act came into force and it's time we look to the future. It's about making the huge assets hunting has and what we do more presentable and more acceptable to the general public in the 2020s. And do you have the impression this is going to hopefully
1: be quite a fast moving review that we're going to get some some answers on what happens next quite quickly?
0: I hope so. I think Andrew has said that whatever happens, bearing in mind that we are more than halfway through the hunting season, that any new organisation will come into effect for the 2022-23 2022-23 hunting season, which seems fair. The hunting year transitions on May the 1st, but that, that is quite swift moving. There have been several large meetings recently with all sorts of, as people like to call them, stakeholders from the hunting community and consultations. And this is the first step in the, the result, really.
1: Okay, well, anything else important, Catherine, that we haven't mentioned about this, this significant review
0: and, and, and what
1: it means for hunting?
0: It should be seen as being very positive. It's become clear that there is a need for change in hunting governance and in in the perception of our hunting activities. Those in charge of hunting need to, to, to be seen to have authority and effective jurisdiction and a new organisation with a wider membership and a stronger remit in terms of jurisdiction would help that. And we need to get on the front foot with the public and with landowners, corporate and private, because they are the absolute essential tools. We cannot go hunting if we cannot cross land. And I think perhaps we need to take more responsibility as individuals in the way we conduct ourselves out hunting and the way we think about hunting and in promoting the sport we love and hold so dear. That's up to all of us. There are so many good things about hunting. There are so many good things that hunting does and we, we really need to start being proud of it. Hmm. Okay, thank
1: you, Catherine. That's really interesting. And thank you for joining us today to give us that background. My pleasure. Eleanor, I'm coming to you now. You have been reporting on a new survey into road safety this week. What is the background to this research?
5: Yeah, so this this is uh, what the British Horse Society believes is the biggest road safety, biggest ever survey on equestrian road safety. Um, and it was funded by a grant from the Department for Transport, which I think in itself is very positive. And they spoke to more than 7,000 people who... Uh, access roads with horses, so not just riders, but carriage drivers and anyone who leads horses on the road, people aged between 18 and 97. um, So a really good cross section of the different equestrians who are using the roads.
1: Okay, and what were some of the major findings?
5: Well, the, one of the major ones was that only 3% of those people said they never felt stressed or anxious on the roads. 43% said they felt like that more than half the time. Uh, and the main contributor to this stress, uh, people were saying, was the behaviour of other road users, which 93% of respondents said. So it, in some ways, some of the uh, answers that came from the study are, as Alan Hiscox, the British Horse Society Director of Safety, said, things I think everyone knows but now they're there and they're there as academic research and they're there as evidence
3: Mm,
1: and will having that as kind of research and, and data will that help push the course of horses on the road
5: yeah, that's the hope because, uh, and obviously, as I said, this this study was funded by the Department for Transport. So that's really interesting. So now the BHS can go back to not only the Department for Transport, but local authorities, local councils and police and say, this is how equestrians feel when they're on the roads. This is the concrete evidence of what riders, carriage drivers uh, and other equestrians are experiencing every day on the roads.
1: Mm. And your story also highlighted the importance of reporting incidents, Eleanor. It's something we've talked about before, but give us a reminder if people do suffer an incident on the road, even if it is quite minor, but something which is worth reporting, where should they do that?
5: Uh, the police and the BHS because we, as we've said before on this podcast and in the magazine it, the BHS believes that only say one in ten incidents is reported to them and without a true picture of what's happening on the roads we're less likely to get change whereas if every incident was reported the BHS can then go to the government and the police and say this is what's happening this is why we need action um, and a new way of doing that is the BHS's horse eye as in the letter I app, uh, which is a new app that you can use to much easier, more easily and quickly report incidents. And they've had about 10,000 downloads of that so far. Mm. Well, it's good to hear that, that people are making mm. use of that app. Thank you, Eleanor.
1: Becky, I'm coming over to you now for an update on fireworks. It's a story you've been covering quite extensively for us through this, this autumn and winter season. And this is actually a Scotland specific development. Um, so one for you north of the border, fill us in on what's happened.
6: Well, the Scottish Government has really been leading the way when it comes to changes in firework regulations. They started working on this in 2019, but the government brought in some tighter rules in the summer and following this, they launched a public consultation on proposals to bring in more regulations yet. And what they proposed was to introduce things like a licensing system for the public to buy fireworks, and restricting the days fireworks can be used by the public. So, for example, around Bonfire Night, the government's proposing to restrict this only to allow people to use fireworks from the 29th October to the 12th November. More than 1,700 people completed the consultation, and certainly people seem to really back the new proposals. 84%. Supported a licensing system, and 92% agreed to creating a new offence to criminalise the supply of fireworks to under 18s. Hmm.
1: And there was some talk as well about sort of certain no firework zones, and that could benefit horses, is that right?
6: That's right. Um, basically, they're proposing to introduce no firework zones, and 83% of respondents supported this. And in the consultation, some of the places suggested for these no fireworks zones included around livery yards, riding schools and vet hospitals, which if this was to happen would be such a relief, I think, for horse owners. So what happens next is the Scottish Government is going to take this new Firework and Pyrotechnics Bill to the Scottish Parliament um, at the earliest opportunity is what they've said. And hopefully we'll see some change come out of that.
1: Hmm, sounds positive. And I know you spoke to Rowley-Hours at World Horse Welfare but for his reaction. What did he say?
6: He thinks the consultation clearly demonstrated support for making fireworks safer and he'd like to see the Scottish Government introduce even tighter restrictions proposed um, when it came to the days people are allowed to let fireworks off, certainly around bonfire night, which he thought was a bit too wide. And he also said any no-firework zones should be led by local authorities and emphasised that it's important there's the appropriate resources given to this. But certainly the charity is pleased the Scottish Government's commitment to take this bill forward and the charity would really like to see the English and Welsh governments follow suit. Mm,
1: Great, well, thank you very much, Becky, and thank you to Catherine and Eleanor for joining us today too. So now we're going over to Jason Webb, a trainer who specializes in starting young horses and retraining those with problems. Born in Australia, Jason is now based in Kent in England, and his online training service at yourhorsemanship.com means owners around the world can learn and benefit from his techniques. Over to you, Jason.
3: In this episode, we're going to look at backing our horse for the first time or introducing the horse to the rider for the first time. Now at this point, I find it really important to go through at least two or three of the processes that I've been going through leading up to this point. The reason for this is you never know how your horse is going to get out of bed that day. So by going through at least two or three processes, so it's some lunging, some long lining, some leading in different Uh, areas maybe over a pole or something like that if they're really being good at all those processes i like to challenge my horse a little bit before i get on them and make sure they're really thinking and submitting to the process just going okay I, i understand this yep we've got to do that yep no problem and i start to feel that happening with my horse so it's not a case of just coming out right we're getting on today We've gone through all the processes and just jumping on your horse. That will not hold your horse in in good stead. It's now time to use all that, um, all those processes, all that information to get your horse in that sweet spot. Once we've been through all that and we feel like our horse is pretty good, I'm going to tell you what I've been doing throughout all these processes, which I haven't mentioned, is... When I've been long lining or lunging, or just doing some bending work with the rope, whenever I'm by my horse's side, I'll just do a little hop by their side. I'll just jump up and down by their by their shoulder, and I'll have my hand in a position that I might, might have it in when I'm gonna get on. And I might also, if they've got a, a saddle or a roller on, I'll be pulling the saddle or the roller a little bit, because that's what it's gonna feel like if you imagine me uh, a person getting up the side of the horse, um, there'll be a pull on the saddle and there'll um, they'll also be that, that sudden hop that I do to, to generate momentum to get up the side. Um, bearing in mind, I get on my, all my horses from the ground first and I'll explain why um, in a second. So throughout this, this, the processes that I've been going through, I've probably done this up to between 20 and 80 times just hopped up and down by the horse pulled on the horse's girth both sides and by the time I come to get on um, I'm jumping up really quite high um, and my horse is going Ah, I've seen it umpteenth number of times so it's fine and I felt you pull me off balance that's fine as well I just move my leg put my leg underneath my body to take the weight and it's fine so I've already been thinking about this stage a long time before i've got here now as i said before i get on my horses from the ground now this is not for everybody um, because if you're getting on a 17 2 hand horse as they say a big horse and you're sort of five foot six or bel- below or i don't want to i don't want to get heightest here. <laughs> But it can be difficult, so this this you might have to modify um this process a little uh, in terms of establishing your horse by a mounting block but for for what I do, I like to um reduce risk of having a mounting block underneath a horse that I'm about to get on for the first time because it can act as an obstacle which either the horse can land on or I could land on. And you know, I'm not not a fan of that idea. So it's just about minimizing risk at this point, and that's why I do this. Um just before I move on, people are probably saying, but hang on, he's gone from a roller to a saddle. How is that? I find that once the roller's on a horse, I can put a saddle on a horse. I tend to do it in the same day that I get on, um, because as I said at the start of this episode. I like to do two or three processes before I actually get on one of those processes is to put the saddle on uh, sometimes for the first time. And that gives me a bit of an idea of how they're gonna react and also gets gets in their head, well, I, I, oh, I've i had the roller on, it's fine. Now I've got this saddle on, it feels a bit different because there's other parts moving. So I'm gonna have a little buck, but that's not such a good idea because actually what I need to do is go forward. So that's what I'm hoping is going through my horse's mind. And there's a level of, well, okay, that's happening, but it's fine. And I want to keep reiterating to my horse, this is happening, but it's fine. And that's what we're trying to get as a reaction that my horse is um, going through. This is happening, but I'm all right. So I've been through all those processes. Now it's time to get on. So I get on my horses from the ground. In a very particular way i start at the shoulder facing my horse's tail so that for me is really important i like to be by the controls up by my horse's head and so my toes will be facing backwards and as i when i swing up i'll swing sort of up my horse's shoulder so i can sort of maintain as close a contact as i can up my horse's shoulder and over their back So that's that's where I'll be swinging when the time comes. Before that time, I'll have my horse's head bent towards me and I'll do this by putting my horse's reins in a bridge, having the rein that's furthest from me a little bit longer, the rein that's closest to me a little bit shorter. And so that as I'm getting up, if my horse goes to move, or buck or gets worried, I simply put my horse into a flexion which my horse should know by now is a cue to relax and stop, breathe, and then I'll I'll start again until my horse becomes familiar with that idea that I'm about to not, not to flight, basically. So here we are, I'm by my horse's shoulder, I've got my horse's head slightly bent, not too much, however I have the capacity to bend my wrists or rotate my wrist around and increase the bend should I need to. So that is really important, I have my hands in a position that without moving anything else other than the rotation of my wrists, I can bend my horse and quieten them down. So now what I aim to do is I put in the iron and I'll swing up and lie across my horse or just lie across the saddle. And just get them familiar with the idea of just me being up and lying over the, over the saddle. And I'll repeat this a couple of times on one side. And very, very importantly, I do the exact same thing on the opposite side. So I see a lot of problems occur with people um, getting on young horses. When their leg swings over, the horse gets a fright and suddenly there's a reaction because they haven't seen you over that side of them or coming across that side so i like to familiarize myself with uh, my horse rather with this process on both sides again it does take a bit of coordination it isn't for everybody but for me it's a very important process and it goes back to the rules of horse training what you do to one side you should do to the other so um, i'm able to get up and lie over my horse now and i checking their eyes and just getting them and seeing that they're okay in between these efforts I'll probably lead them off just move them because horses can get locked stuck to the spot and this although your horse is standing still it isn't always a good thing I almost feel more confident with a horse when I get up the side and they move off a horse that's stuck to the spot um are much much more likely to explode off that spot so that's uh, that's an interesting thing to to bear in mind as well so i like to like to move my horse in between these attempts once uh, they're comfortable when i'm on though then i'll ask them to move in a circle while i'm laying across them so i might use my knee so one leg my one leg will be in the stirrup, the other leg I'll just bump or I can use the outside rein just to ask my horse to move their hind legs or just move in a circle. It doesn't have to, it only has to be for a few steps, but this is another critical point in getting on. So when I first get up, your horse can get worried and when they first move off, a horse can get worried. So I'm just familiarizing my horse with these two critical points. And again, I'll do it on both sides. So once I'm confident that my horse can step off and I can feel their back isn't up and they're, they're okay with that, then I'll be getting on and backing them for the first time. So there we have it. So we're up on board and we've initiated movement. And from here, we start to expand on our paces, which again, with our lunging and our long lining, I will be using voice cues and any other cues that, you know, people feel comfortable with to give your horse a clue about what is going on. So, because you have to remember when you get on a horse for the first time, they're like, I don't know what's happening here. They're looking for familiarity. And if you've been teaching them cues on your lunge, when you're long lining, then these cues will come in really handy when you're first getting on, you say, walk on and you click and they're used to to a bump, meaning move forward. These things all help for your horse to confidently move off and accept you're using these cues from on their back. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. But before I finish, I'd just like to say that starting horses is a real skill and it takes a lot of experience. I've been doing this for years and there are still moments where I have to use my intuition, my years of experience to keep me safe. It's not something that you can do just on a, on a whim. And you might think that's a funny thing to say, but I do get a lot of people who've tried starting horses themselves, found it's very difficult, bought the horse to me, now with issues, which makes that starting process so much more difficult and i know other people that have this dream of having this blank canvas and buying a a young horse although they may be inexperienced themselves and this dream can can come crashing down because some young horses are never going to grow up to be quiet amenable horses They they could be have that competition mindset and need an experienced rider their whole careers so there we are everyone. I hope you've enjoyed, as I said, the the episodes and um, we'll look forward to catching up again soon.
1: Thank you, Jason. Well, that is the end of Jason's mini series. And it's also actually the end of the last of our regular podcasts for 2021. But don't worry, we've got plenty of festive treats for you over the next three episodes. First up, we have the return of our Christmas quiz next week, when event rider Laura Collett and showing producer Vicki Smith take on dressage rider Laura Tomlinson and show jumper Jay Hallam. The week after, that's the episode out on the 30th of December, we will be reviewing our podcast year by revisiting all of our favourite interviews from the past 12 months. Finally, to round off the trio of festive delights, on the 6th of January, we have a special interview with Ben Mayer, looking back at the horses who have made his career after his crowning as Olympic champion in Tokyo this year. So there's an awful lot to look forward to on the podcast over the next three weeks. And of course, I also hope you all have a great Christmas and are able to celebrate with friends and family despite the latest COVID news. Thank you for listening today. Talk to you soon. The Horse and Hound podcast is a Media Cage production.